When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Welcome one and all to Knife Talk, the podcast for makers, uh, collectors, anybody interested in knives, or anybody who just wants to hear us chat. Uh, there's two of us here today. Mareko's um, having some technical issues, so Jeff Fader, Fader Knives, or George Fader, whichever way you want to call him, he's here with myself, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. Jeff, George, how are things going? I, 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 I want to apologize in advance. It's going to get unnecessary. I'm in already a sour mood, and we've had some issues, and bureaucracy is not my friend but what is my friend is you i'm glad you're here and too bad mareko couldn't be here we had a good time last week i want to give a shout out to mareko he's the man and, it was a great uh, it was a great show last week i got to listen as a punter and it was yeah it was a good show he was you know what i think it's when this is the two of us or maybe it's during the day i don't know what's going on but like every episode he's there's always a different mareko you get in a little bit and, and last one he was just wanted to fuck around so we it was really he was it was very good but uh cool. uh I, I was very fortunate our listeners are the best I was down at the Center for Metal Arts this past weekend, and it was, a, it was an awesome time once again, a super inspiring place. And Pat Quinn, who runs, who's the director of the Center for Metal Arts, is amazing. We had three Knife Talk listeners there. Uh, we had David, that's nice. a heart of garlic. He was there. He's an awesome guy. Mike from Alpha Forge Works and uh, Jacob Goff was down there. Great, another great guy. Wilmington Forge. Three great guys, all knife makers. And I'll tell you what, remember we talked about it a couple months ago, somebody sent us a message saying, I'm going to go to Hammer and what should I bring? And I said, bring hmm. some fucking donuts. Ah, they all brought, did they? Oh my God. Uh, Pat says, how come all your, why are we getting all these donuts? And I said, oh, he said, there's a knife talk. Guys. And I said, knife talk, we've been telling people to bring donuts. He's just like, and then when I left, I think another Knife Talk listener went to the next class and he sent me a message saying, people are bringing more donuts. I'm like, yeah, we're sending the message. So Perfect. it was, it was amazing. Great. And uh, what Pat's doing down there is incredible. And he's doing some new things that are going to be mind blowing, but I got to keep under the vest only because, you know, he wants to protect some things. And I don't blame him, but mm. that's yeah. the place to go for furthering your metal, metal education. That's for sure. Nice. Nice. So you're doing friction folders? Yeah, we did friction folders. I'm sticking with the friction folders just because I just, I wanted to, I told Pat, I, I'm not P 
Peter Braspnicks. I'm not one of these heavy hitters. I want to get you into it. I want to get the door open for your education and give you something. Anybody can do it and we'll have a good time. And then it gets you into going back to the school and getting involved. So I've made a decision. I'm not teaching uh, blacksmithing anywhere else but the Center for Mental Arts. That's it. Doors are closed. Uh, and and uh, I'm really devoted to being there. And I'm the only holdover, which is amazing. It's been hmm. through two different tours of management and i'm the only holdover so i feel completely honored so that's that and then um what else back to back to the shop as of this week i will be completely my my order list is down to zero i will have zero i've caught up the worst it ever was the worst it ever was was 100 knives and that was bad and then I'm down, so I got five knives. They're all ready to get an edge and get shipped out. And then we're making new stuff, and we're trying to put some new things on. So it's been very exciting. But honestly, Perfect. the real conversation is what is Craig Lockwood up to, and where is he, and what is he doing? Craig, what's up? <laughs> I'm in Wales, and here for another two weeks, too. So I've been here, what, 10 days or so, uh, here for another two weeks. Um, so I've been back to Rockfield Studios um, being a fake rock and roll star um, on a, this project thing that I'm doing. Um, a bit hush-hush, um, but as part of this, there was one day where they had this uh, like a, a rock and roll memorabilia day, and they had all these like top collectors from all around the world came, brought their right. stuff, and, and they set up a band to play for these people in the studio. Um, and I was lucky enough to be asked to be in this band. And um, it was um, with uh, the Oasis drummer. It was our drummer, which was, Whoa. for me, for me, it's a pretty much a dream because, you know, I, yeah. I worship those guys. Um, so just to be there in the studio playing along with him holding the beat down was was, was pretty special. Um, but, yeah, just the collectors that were there. I mean, I got to play one of McCartney's basses. There was, oh you know, God. Kirk Hamnett. Kirk Hamnett guitars there, lots of Noel Gallagher guitars there. And it was, yeah, it was pretty special. These guys had some some amazing things. So that was one day of the event. Um, but, um, yeah, I was there for four or five days um, as, as part of something else. Um, but we were doing two shifts a day of rehearsals. So, t- so a shift would be five hours rehearsing. We'd have a break, something to eat, then go back in for another five hours. I've never played so much guitar in such few days. And believe me, my back was ready to split. It is, it, it, it sounds easy. You just, you're just playing guitar for 10 hours. But geez, whoosh, hard, so, hard work. So question. So for that five-hour shift, what's expected of you? We're just running through songs. We're trying new things out. We were, yeah. It's, it, you're expected to, you're basically standing with something that's what? Five, six kilos strapped to you. Um, and yeah. A bit of sweat, and it's just um, the same song over and over again. Or I mean, how, how five? I mean, we would we were we were doing a set of fifteen songs and whittling them down then to you know a bunch that we were happy with, um, and it was purely for rehearsals. It, it's, you know, it's, it's not going anywhere after that. Um, for potentially some live shows in the future. Um, yeah, incredible hard work. I'd never have thought that. Yeah, being in the studio would be such such. Like tiring hard work, um, but yeah, it's done. It's done, thankfully. So um, I go back into the studio on Tuesday for three days again. Um, so yeah, it's all it's all exciting stuff. So I'm here Wait, for another so two weeks. Is was the drummer nice? Very, very nice. Very nice. Yeah, and as a, a complete dream for me. So that that first, you know, those first few bars, he starts playing, and I just sort of like. 
deep breath, you know, here we go. Um, but oh, oh, completely, yeah, completely. I mean, I mean, we're Facebook friends now, you know. We're we're oh, we're cool. Jesus. We're how cool. long did it take you? How long did it take you to get comfortable and not be in? I mean, this is your childhood. You've been knowing. You've been on your. You know, you're jerking off in your room listening to Oasis. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so I mean, you know, all those days. You didn't tell him about that, obviously. But I mean, obviously you know, not. Obviously he not. knows. I mean, he yeah. clearly knows. So I mean, how, how, what was it like? After all those years of you know, of your youth listening to Oasis, to be playing with the drummer from Oasis, it was cool. I played it like super cool. You know, inside you're like, oh geez, this is this is a bit. You know, I knew it was a big moment as it was happening. Um, but I, yeah, I tried to play it super super cool, um, and it was great because we're, it's it's a residential studio, so everybody stays there. You're all staying overnight. And um, woke up the next morning, and like he's cooking me breakfast, and he's just like, oh, well, "Okay, Jesus. this this is this is pretty cool." So yeah, it was it was just a memorable a memorable few days, and um, did, there's more to come, which is cool. Did you meet him before you started playing? Just yeah, well, the evening before, so we arrived um, all at different times during the afternoon, and um, we rehearsed that evening for a few hours, just to sort of you know find our feet, get things set up, that kind of thing. Um, so that was all a bit strange, but they yeah went back to the, went back to the accommodation there, and you know had a few drinks, and yeah, and it, everything just snapped into place. Then it was all yeah, all just. Well, what will be the name of your new band with the drummer from Oasis? <laughs> we were we were joking. Oasis isn't. Oh, I thought you were going to call it Blow Aces. <laughs> <laughs> Oasis isn't, I think, was what we come up with in the end. But um, so no. So cool. when will you be able to to speak more high, more uh, loose lipsy with about what happened and what you're going to do? When can you break Poss- more news? Possibly never. Who knows? Who knows? Oh, I don't geez. even. I don't even know myself. That's the that's the All crazy right. thing. So there you go. We'll there you see. Go. We'll so see. There's, that's it. I will that's, not we'll pry see. anymore. I will not pry right. anymore, but congratulations on you. I have never in my life met someone who's been able to check off more bucket list items than you. Never. <laughs> and I haven't. That's what life is for. I, ha- I mean, yeah, obviously, you're Mr. Bucket. I mean, yeah. I, there's, it's, 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 cra- it's crazy what you've, uh, you've kind of manifested for yourself. It's, you should big, be proud of yourself, frankly. There's a big big birthday coming up and you've got to hit all these points before you get to the birthday that's that's my uh that's my ambition my goal what's your your particular birthday oh 45 <laughs> that, that was a couple of years ago uh yeah wait, wait a second you're not you're not my age you're not 49 i'm no i'm 46 oh, so, so you yeah. have you got a, you, no problem I've got four, four years of madness left yeah it's all oh, good god <laughs> i'm like at fucking less than six months <laughs> I'm gonna, you know that's the way it is. I'm yeah. getting crustier, Craig. I'm getting, I'm getting, Ugh. I'm getting more grizzly. Grizzly is the right word, but no, no not grizzly, grizzly. I'm more grizzly. Right? Yeah, okay. So it's fine. You need an extra ten minutes. On, extra ten minutes on the bike each morning. That's what you need, I think. Dude, dude, I'm a, I'm a. It's fine. It's fine. But we are at knife talk. This is the number one. P.S. I've been getting a ton of DMs from people thanking us for knife talk because it's something that i got messages from guys all over the world who says mondays this makes mondays bearable so i just want you to know i've been getting a lot of nice feedback i want you to know that we are still number one whether or not these other (laughs) motherfuckers want to believe it or not the other thing is 
this is a back office conversation is we apparently we traumatize some children. I don't know if you know this or not. I don't know if you listened to the last episode, but apparently, and I've heard this now of two parents who make their kids listen to knife talk while they're in the car, we've spoiled some childhoods. And I don't know if I even blame myself anymore because you did name the the title of that episode, Santa is not real or something like that. <laughs> and yeah. all these guys are calling up saying, you know, I was trying to be the cool dad and we were listening to the knife talk and all of a sudden, you know, Fader says Santa Claus isn't real. And then my kid's like, oh, I heard that twice. I However, think if, if your kids are listening to this in the car with you, you've got bigger issues. Bigger issues than whether I mean, Santa's real. Spoiler, spoiler alert! It was in the title for Christ's sakes. I mean, you know, come on. Yeah. So, whatever you want to do, we have lots of nice questions. We have listener feedback. We have buyer's remorse. That was a great bit. Uh, buyer's remorse. We have social more buyer's remorse. We have one, we have a couple good. Why me? Why me? Why does this always happen to me? And Marco's not here, so we could do a little weird podcast news if you want. That would be cool. I'll tell you what, let's just do one or two questions. Let's get them out of the way. Um, before we do, we sort of tea. You sort of teased last week, and I sort of jumped in on the, on the situation about the build along that we're doing. Right. So we we did a build along years ago. We didn't really, you know, it, it was sort of half hearted. It didn't really really do that much. So we thought, if we're going to do one, let's do it properly. Um, so we spoke to Dharma Steel. Um, and they're involved too. So they've got a special piece that they've cut only for Knife Talk listeners. Um, it's in Vinland, which is their, one of their uh, patterns. And as we all know, Dharma Steel is a, is a stainless Damascus. Um, it is everybody will get the same piece. So the whole idea of this build along is it needs to be a culinary knife. Um, so whether it's a par knife or a petty knife or what I'd like to see, it just needs to be culinary. So It'd be cool to see. I even like anything you use in the kitchen, even bottle openers or anything. It'd be cool to see what people are making with it. Um, they're limited to only fifty pieces, and I know way more than half have already gone. So if you want wow. to get involved, if you want to get involved in the build along, um, if you go to uh, knifetalk.net forward slash build along, that takes you to Dharma Steel where you can get this exclusive piece. Um, they've done a good deal, so it's eighty five dollars uh, plus shipping and taxes. So the taxes wherever you are will vary, and it'll work all that out for you. That's um, a great deal, by the way. For it's Dharma a good Steel. deal. It's a good deal, and and the whole idea is we're all going to do um, a culinary knife of some sort. Um, and when it comes to the DCI, which is the Dharma Steel Chef Invitational, which we do every year, um, they're going to announce a winner and there's going to be a prize and they're going to get the award. Um, it's going to be cool. And what we'll do, you know, we're going to wait a few weeks for people to get the pieces and then we'll start talking about the heat treats and, you know, and the design and all this. And we'll sort of share our journey as well because um, the three of us are doing it too. The three hosts here, we're going to be doing it. So it's going to be fun. So, yeah. So head on over to um, knifetalk.net forward slash build along and get your piece of Dharma steel and, and join along with us for this for this build along. So we're going to give it a few weeks before we start sort of making our pieces, just so, you know, give time to enough people to get the pieces and um and then we'll go and it's going to be fun i'm sure it's, we're going to see some cool stuff i'm pretty sure of that so yeah it's going to be good and on the website it says the size of the of the stock right yeah so the stock is i've got it in millimeters here so it's 200 um uh, by 25 and it's 3.2 mil thick um so we're not going to see you know whopping chef knives we need to be quite creative and i think that's what's going to be fun about it the fact that everybody has exactly the same dimensions to work with 
it will be cool. cool throughout the time to kind of discuss heat treatment, what works, what doesn't work, muriatic acid versus whatever. Maybe we yeah. should have maybe we should have Fingal on sooner rather cool. than later because that he is be Mister yeah. Damasteel. So, yeah. Carly, just want you to know Carly's listening to this. By the way, yeah, I'm saluting you, Carly. <laughs> We're gonna get the pros on here, and who better than Fingal Ferguson to talk some talk this this lot of listeners into how do you do with Damasteel. So. Exactly, yeah. It's going to be fun just seeing what people are coming up with. Um, because last time we had everybody sort of did, did the same design, those slight variations. But this time it just needs to be culinary. So, you know, it's wide open. It can be anything. So even if you've never used Damasteel, even if you haven't really made many knives before, the fact that we're going to be talking you through each process, this is the perfect introduction. So, yeah. Knifetalk.net forward slash build along. Dang. Look at Dang. you. Dang a steel. That's what it should be. Dang a steel. Okay. Well, yeah. well, but that's not going to stick, is it? No. No. Okay. You have all the reads, right? Um, I you do. Just, yes, yes, yes. Oh, you're the man. You're the man. Yeah. You're unbelievable. Got the, got the you're unbelievable. Got the reads. Let's start with a few questions. Uh, DIY Europe has contacted us, and that was via Instagram. We are Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. And he says, hello, love the show. It quite literally is the only thing making a Monday manageable. Wow. Uh, the question, I've been sharpening razors for barbershops and knives for restaurants on the good old whetstones for some time, but the amount of work is getting too much to keep it to keep doing it completely by hand. I've been going back and forth between purchase, purchasing a uh, one of those TS Prof and the Wicked Edge uh, systems or a Tormek. Please share your wisdom on this. Uh, and he says, again, I uh, love the show. You guys are awesome. That's Matt from DIY Europe. I think it's Matt um, Bickers. Matt Bickers. Cool, cool. So he's looking at the the various sort of sharpening systems that are out there, um, and he mentions the, the, the I think it's the TS Profits called, and it's obviously the Wicked Edge. Um, I know the, the you know the guys at uh, Broadbeck doing now as well, and obviously uh, Tomex as well. Um, so what have you used, Jeff? What works for you? I the interesting thing is you know we talk about sharpening, but we don't talk talk sharpening on volume very much. And we had when Mareko was on here a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how remember he's sharpening like hundred knives at a shot. Hmm. To do them with whetstones is quite a production, and it's it's one of those things that yeah you're getting to the point where you're doing volume. Whetstones might not be your situation. I I like the I I for someone at home. A home user who's sharpening, I do like those uh, guided not, um, sharpening systems like the, the uh, what, what did he say? It was the Wicked Edge system or the Lansky systems where there's a rail yeah. and it sets your tone and then it makes sure that you're not going to, you know, scratch your knife. I think for the home user, those are aw- – for the home user who likes to sharpen their knives and isn't doesn't mind spending a little bit of time because you have to set it in and you have to set it up and you have to fix the angle. And there's always – you can't just freehand one of those witch, Wicked Edge systems. Yeah. I think the, if you're the biggest do- issue – biggest issue with them is you don't actually get much abrasive on certainly on the wicked edge and i think the ts prop most of them are quite similar where you get you have to get this sort of custom made like abrasive on a slide kind of thing you know like a bar right yeah and you don't get much of that that's that's so i think if you're doing a lot i think it could become maybe quite expensive you're probably going to do a great job but i mean at the same time it's going to i think just the setup in general is going to take a long time yeah i am I have a, I have a, I have, I used to have a abusive relationship with my Tormek. It was, it was originally, I was excited and then I hated it and then I loved it. I hated it. And now I love it again. It's a very unhealthy relationship, but I'm in the love stage. And now all my knives I sharpen with the Tormek. And what I like about it is I 
I ditched the guide. I ditched the rail. I ditched the rail just because there's a specific way you put it on that uh, um, Tomer told me what you have to do is you kind of draw a line from the tip to the thing. And then you, that line represents where you put it on the jig. And I don't want anything to do with any of that. And I don't want to have to do, I don't want any of that. I don't want that in my life. So yeah. I figured out how to kind of freehand it and I can move much faster. However, I'm not as reckless with taking the material off. When I say reckless, I'm kind of being, you know, it just works better for me. So I like yeah. the Tormac. The one thing I like about the Tormac, I don't like about the Tormac is that one, there's one, I want in my book, I want three Tormacs. Yeah. One with d- every different grit because you have to change grits. So or like great, the original, yeah, great in the wheel change, with that stone, yeah, right. You have to change the grid of the wheel. I don't like that. I, I if it was up to me, I'd have three. I got two now, and and I'm trying to work some. I'm trying to. I'm trying. Who knows? You never. If you start to see Tormek reads on full blast, you know what's happened. <laughs> I've got my third out there, but I mean that's that's the that's would be the. Mon- I would I would totally if I were to stick with. That type of grinding, I would for sure get the Tormac, in my opinion, for a volume. Yeah. I would even consider looking at the uh, Broadbeck. I know that Matt is in, I think he's in the Netherlands, so it might not be as easy to get the the Broadbeck, but the Tormac's probably pretty readily available. So that would be my move. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. It's, it's what I use. Um, yeah, and again, the same as you. I don't use that rail. Um, and just you know, sort of freehand with it. Um, it is a slow process, but once you're in the, you know, once you get into the swing of things, um, it just works. It, you know, it just works. That's that's the interesting thing about like, because I mean, that's the natural progression for knife makers who are like looking for a little bit extra cash. I mean, that's what Mareko's doing. I mean, now he's like up to his back teeth and knife orders. Like, yeah. w- what's the best way to do it, but the most efficient and quick way? But also, that's you can't screw anybody's knives up. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, Benny's tool and cutlery. Do you want to read that one? Yes. Hey guys, question for the show: How do you store your knives when you have a few in stock? I see George has—that's me—has stock ready made for people to buy on his website. How do you? How would you long-term store knives that might be Damascus or Baker Forge steel, so that you don't have to worry about checking them every week? Thanks, guys. Love the show. So you made a pile of knives. I'm assuming yeah. you means you know carbon steel style. How do you put them away for a while? I oil them, um, and then I just cover them in like um, I've got like um, a coffee sacking. You know that uh, that Hessian stuff, Mus- like a muslin or something Mus- like that. Yeah, yeah, you know the brown stuff. You know, like um, sacking. You know, sack material. Yeah, sacking. Brown yeah, stuff. Sacking. The fucking brown sacking. sacking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The- <laughs> Get some fucking sacking. <laughs> Get some sacking. Yeah, um, of course. So yeah, as long as everything's oiled up, um, I just I just make wraps with them, and then, yeah, and yeah, I've never ha- really had an issue as long as they're kept somewhere clean. Um, yeah, I've never really had an issue. There's a move that I learned for, that I kind of uh, Neil Kamamura. I'm saluting you. Want to talk about a guy who you're able to see, and this is something I want to talk to you about. You, you've been able to watch him progress as a bladesmith is awesome. It's really amazing. And he had a video on how he, he finishes his knives. And he used some food-safe wax, rubbed it on the knife, hit the whole thing with the heat gun, and then just wiped off the excess. And mm. what's amazing is it really is an awesome finish. And I started to do that 
and especially for stuff that goes away. Um, for my, a lot of, uh, like for, I have some Baker Forge steel that I don't want to put in, in Kydex. Some, some knives with like a Damascus or something like that I don't put them in Kydex. I do. I'm afraid of scuffing. I'm afraid of scuffing that coffee etch, that finish off. I don't want to have to do it. So I'll do the wax. I'll do the wax thing. And then I did buy recently, I did buy some, uh, cardboard slipovers that just kind of protect the knife a little bit. And then for the really expensive knives, I bought some of those inexpensive uh, padded cases. And then I have some boxes. I've recently, I have so much in fucking stock that I'm like, I'm getting boxes full of knives. But for the stainless, I shove them in the Kydex and then kind of put them all away. But that sampling, because that's happened. You got to, if you don't think about it, you don't rub your stuff up with some wax. uh, You're going to have some rust on your hands pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, this is the question I want to, one, one of the things I want to talk to you about. You know, we, we sometimes we're on the fence of whether or not we like social media or not. One of the coolest things that I realized when I was down at the Center for Mental Arts is I've known Pat for a long time. We've, we, we met each other, I, I want to say like maybe five, six or seven years ago, maybe seven, maybe even more than that, seven or eight years ago. Yeah. And I've been seeing his work now for, you know, like I said, he's on, if you're on, if you're on Instagram for 10 years, the coolest thing about it is, for, especially with an artist or a sculptor or something like that, you get to watch their progression over time. So as you're watching, it's almost like the snapshots of the evolution of them as artists. Hmm. And I yeah, think yeah. that we, we've, and as a knife makers too, you look at some of my old fucking knives from back in the day, they're terrible. But to see that transition over time is probably one of the most underrated things about Instagram as a, as a, as a, as a medium that you can kind of like look through the evolution of somebody's work. And yeah, yeah. that's something that I've wanted to, t- I might talk to uh, some guys on, on full blast about, but that is a real, it's almost like, it is really kind of really, really cool. Yeah. So if you forget the whole sort of social element of it, just right. seeing somebody's, yeah. Somebody, it's their catalog. Somebody, exactly. And, and improving upon their work each time. Yeah. That is cool. Because one of the things about Pat is as a blacksmith is his, where he, from he's, he's, he, I mean, you want to talk about one of the best blacksmiths in the the country. Pat Quinn is in there by a mile and being able to see how his, how he changed and developed based on the places that he's been is really pretty wild. It's really, really cool. So I, you know, I, I bash social media a lot. But that's one of the things, especially with artists being able and knife makers. You're a knife maker. Go look at somebody's work and then go go back a hundred, go back a couple of years and see how things have changed. It's a really kind of a neat way to follow someone's growth. Yeah, that's yeah. all. Okay, go. before we go on, we got lots to get on with. I want to tell everybody about Even Heat. Um, they are the you know the the, the kiln of choice. Um, for all the top knife makers out there. Um, if you want to get yourself an even heat, if you go to knifetalk.net forward slash heat, that will take you to Soul Ceramics um, and their distributors even heat. So they'll give you $75 off and free shipping in the US. So knifetalk.net forward slash heat, get yourself an even heat. Don't be an idiot. <laughs> That's in the slug line. Don't be an idiot. <laughs> Don't be an idiot. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> these are all free, by the way. All our sponsors listening, these taglines that I give you, they're all free. Marketing genius, I am. I once, years and years ago, before I met you, yeah, I was on with uh, Blacksmith's Pub, and I said, "Even heat or go fuck yourself." <laughs> and they called me up, and they said, "That's the best slug line we've ever had." <laughs> Spence loved it. Even heat or go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, that is better. Okay. Uh, what we got? Uh, this I think this one's in in uh, Welsh. Uh who is this? Um Fwinshog. Oh, Fwinshog. Okay. Is that a is that a Welsh word? I don't think so. No. Okay, it could, never mind. could be possibly Irish. I don't know, but yeah. Did you just take out how to pronounce it? It was written there a few minutes ago. It's a, no, I didn't take it out. It's in the bottom. Oh, it's at the bottom. Right, I would, okay. I would <laughs> never do. I would never try to tri- listen. Trip me up. Let me tell you something funny. I would never ever make myself smarter for the benefit of the show without telling you about it. I, that is for sure. I would be happy to be the idiot for this show. Happy. Don't, I see trust it. me. I see it. Now. I ain't trying yeah. to make you. I ain't trying to make me look smarter to you. That is for sure. <laughs> Fucking full class idiot right here. I'm fine with it. Uh, Fwinchog. Yeah, Fwinchog knives. I believe. Yeah. Oh, you want me to read it? You want to read it? I'll read. Yeah, you I'll go read. for it. Yeah, go for hey, it. Hey man, can I ask you a question? I want. Uh, I use native Irish hardwoods for handles, oak, beech, elm, etc. Can you give tips or finishes for these types of woods without going into the time and expense of getting them stabilized? People have been using, I think this is the uh, this is the expressive part. People have been using wooden handles since the dawn of time, so there must be a decent way of protecting the wood from moisture without modern invention of stabilization. Cheers. Uh, it's Funshog uh, knives, pronounced Finshog. Finshog. I think you're right. I think it is Irish. So is there a way besides stabilizing... Um, rather than uh, uh, stabilizing. <laughs> Is there yeah, a way to yeah. do that? For, for hardwoods, um, a lot of them, I mean, the ones you've mentioned, oak, beech, elm, and that, that aren't necessarily sort of oily. Uh, but a lot of those uh, exotic ones can be quite oily. Um, so stabilizers doesn't generally work that well anyway. Um, but what I've seen a lot of people do without sort of... Uh, st- you know the the whole pump and all the rest of it is just using super glue or CA glue, um, right. and and letting that soak in, and that will that will do a job. But you know it, it's not going to get deep into the pores of the wood. Um, aside from that, um, waxing, oiling, all that kind of stuff, it's all, it's all going to be good. Um, but what you could do is soak in oil, um, sort of soak overnight. You know, make sure they're completely submerged in oil. Let them soak overnight, um, and you will find they they will take up a fair bit, even if they are really dense, dense woods. It always surprises me if you if you were to weigh them before, then weigh them after, um, the weight can be you know considerably different. So, so yeah, those are things you you, you could try. Um, um, I, I'd always say use a, use a liner as well, because you know if you're worried about them splitting. Um, if they're you know on a liner, that's that's going to help them. Um, but yeah, any, any other tips, Jeff? The the, the pro- I like this question because I, I hear a lot of guys tell me you know these you don't have to stabilize this you don't have to stabilize that you don't have to stabilize any of it. It's just a question of how you know careful your customers are because yeah. like that's the real issue. And I tend to do as much stabilizing as possible just to kill the doubt i you know i have had done experiments with walnut that hasn't been stabilized and it doesn't move and i've had stuff with stable with that has been hasn't been stabilized and it expands and you just don't know i i tend to think that i don't want to do a lot of i want to put out whatever i put out with the the least amount of stuff coming back to the shop as possible so you can I like the idea of soaking it and I use tongue oil. I get worried I get worried about the the um not worried, 
But sometimes I feel as though with the surface finishes, your hand rubs them off. You know, yeah. and at some yeah. point, you know, your hand is going to rub them off. So, so tongue oil I like a lot. I like I do it with wood. I usually always do a um, one coat of tongue oil. Give it a coat, then wipe it off, and then let it cure for twenty four hours, and then do it again, and maybe some food save wax. The real thing is be talking to your customers and explaining it to them because they're the ones who are going to be, uh, what happened? They're yeah. the ones, no matter how, we talked about this last week, no matter what you tell your customers, they ain't listening. And, yeah. you know, you can say it, you know, can say, no, there hasn't been, st- stabilizing comes from the fact, stabilizing and stainless have come from the same place. It comes from the fact that you can't count on people. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. You cannot count on people to do the right thing. So, yes, you don't have to stabilize it, but your fucking dude better, you know, you got to whip them into shape. Otherwise, you know, you're going to get the old dumb, uh, does this yeah. normally happen? So I really didn't put it in the dishwasher. I promise I, you. Dude, last week I'd say I told the story. The woman says, uh, the knife isn't as sharp as I'd like it to be. How do you feel about me pulling it through an electric sharpener? And I said, don't pull it through an electric sharpener. Send it to me. I'll take care of it. She yeah. put it through the electric sharpener before she even wrote the email. Uh, she before she even wrote the email. I mean, and I fixed it. But it's like you just you just can't count on these people. So yeah. <laughs> you gotta take you gotta take all the way all the ways in which you can get the banana tailpipe. You gotta take that shit out, and then yeah. you be the champion. So I would do that. There we go. There's the answer. There's the answer. Let's Woo. tell everybody about combat abrasives. They're the abrasives that I use. Jeff uses. Morocco uses. Everybody uses them. It's the stuff to use. Um, they make belts in various sizes, all the grits you could possibly think of. If they haven't got what you want, give them a ring, and they'll make it up. They make them on site. Um, CombatAbrasives.com. If you use Knife Talk 15, you'll also get 15% off your order. That's not a bad deal at all. CombatAbrasives.com. It's shocking okay. how much that 15% whip, whips off when you start to buy stuff. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Over a year, that's a hell of a saving as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what we got? Rob Wilshaw. Oh, you want to do a question or you want to do something else? Let's do another question if you like, and we'll go from there, yeah. Rob Wilshaw says, hey, guys, thanks for all the help you've given the community over the years. It's helped me become a better maker than I could have ever been without it. We're with you, Rob. I got a question about removing snap drill bits from handle blocks. I've noticed it happens with oilier, denser woods. Sometimes the drill bits will catch, and if it's old or cheap, it can snap off, lodging itself in the wood block. Do you have any tips on removing this without destroying the block, as I'm completely out of ideas? Thanks. Mmm. It's, it's never happened to me. I think maybe I've just been very lucky. It's never, ever happened. I would um, probably... Let's, let's CSI this situation. In what why regard? It's, why what it's would you happening, think, yeah. What do you think the factors of snapping a drill bit are? I'd say maybe the material isn't clamped down or just held steady enough. Um, or maybe you're using, like a lot of us do, sort of one, two, three blocks. Um, there's enough space for, this, for it to sort of flex a bit. And then what's happening when it's flexing, it's sort of pinching onto the bit a bit more. and Maybe causing that more friction where it could break. Um, cheap, dull dull uh bits possibly um speeds um yeah there's there's a bunch of things um but yeah it's it's never happened to me so i i, I don't 
it's nothing I can sort of relate to, really. I would tend to think the drill bits that snap are on the thinner side. And it's probably when it's going very, very deep. I'm starting to think, and I might be wrong, Rob. I'm starting to think you're doing the channel move where you're trying to drill in a slot. And you drill mm. two holes, one and then the other, and then you break the webbing with the drill bit. I think a lot, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, doing and, a the, and the bit will sort of bend and find its hole, yeah. I feel yeah. as though this is where we're going, or you're trying to drill like a, a like, you know, people usually when they're doing a hidden tang knife, you're going, you're going around three inches deep. And what happens is, is a lot of those drill bits aren't three inches. Yeah, you can just kind of get a little bit of that nib left in your chuck, just a hair to get mm. there. And you might be like, it might be getting caught towards the, towards the bottom of it. You get stop. You got to. I th- I don't think that the two drill holes and then cutting the webbing in because you're drawing the drill to kind of cut the webbing. I think that's a. I don't think that's a great move. No. I'm, I'm slightly against that move. Um, I tend to. I prefer. Since Mareko started talking about bedding the tang, I feel as though that is the safer way to go. And I use Forstner bits. Forstner bits are almost like it's like a. You know what I'm talking about? A Forstner bit. Do I have to describe that? Yeah, yeah. So it's like a, like a, well, it's like a blade on a on a sort of bigger circle. So it hasn't got right. That, so that it's twirl up the up the, up the whole right. shaft. It's not yeah, because the oiler stuff, oilier stuff, gets kind of bound up in those little channels, and then yeah. that can break too. I tend to try to focus on using like bigger than a quarter inch drill bit too. Like if you're using like an eighth inch drill bit, that seems to me like what's going to go. I mean, you're not you're never really drilling past like three or four inches i would imagine i'm assuming i'm I'm just taking it as an assumption so i would go bigger drill bits sharper drill bits craig's right get it into a a drill press i just had uh ben come on and we were talking about he bought an expense i thought he was using a milling machine he had an expensive drill press Hmm. get yourself a better drill press i tried i've been using these bullshit drill presses my whole life and they really have too much slop in them and that can be a problem and then you're claiming you know the work table sucks and then the clamp's no good and then you're moving around too much get yourself one of the milling machines and you got yourself you're in there tight so getting them out i mean just you know keep, grab your ass and kiss it goodbye i mean you just gotta get in there you gotta get in there and needle nose pliers and figure something out because it's it's not nice yeah. I don't know if we answer that enough. Then, but... then use bigger rivets the next time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it just sucks. Yeah. It, that, the worst is, is I had a long conversation with um, somebody about, oh, I, was, I think it was Ben Snorer, and we were talking about getting get, breaking taps. Like nothing mm. worse than breaking taps, and uh, breaking drill bits is the worst. Get yourself some new drill bits too. Yeah, don't get the cheap ones. Yeah, yeah. So... Okay. Okay. Um, so what we got? We got listener feedback. With listener feedback. Buyer's remorse. Why me? Why me? Why does this always happen to me? And uh, we can fuck around if you want later. We get some weird podcast news. Yeah, we'll do that in the after show. Yeah. All okay. Right. Let's let's do listener feedback. Okay. Listener feedback. So if you're listening to this, and you say I want some listener, I want to give some listener feedback. Number one, if you haven't left us a good review on wherever you listen to us. Do yourself, do us a favor. Don't say how much we've done for you 
and not leave a review, a nice review. Don't give one of them bullshit reviews just because you're mad at something I said. Give a good review. That's how you help the podcast. But if you go to Instagram and go to Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram, you can DM us your requests. You can DM us your questions. It's a great place to kind of like... Uh, we do a pretty good job getting them all in there, uh, as long as they're relatively reasonable. So the first one comes from our friend, Mark LeBlanc. That's Papa Hache, uh, axes. He's an ax maker, uh, ax sharpener, ax hanger. I don't know what you call it. He's a good dude. Really supportive. He said, I really enjoy when you guys talk about sharpening. We were talking last week about, uh, sharpening. I believe whetstones are the best for sharpening high-end knives because you can really ruin a, because you can't really ruin the blade. You might scratch it or get a wonky edge, but nothing like a mechanical system can do. I would suggest that a person wanting to get into stone sharpening invest in decent quality stones that don't dish out after a few rounds. Good cutting flat stones make the learning curve a lot smoother. We were just talking about the fact that for a lot of customers, and Mareko's customers are different than yours and my customers. Yeah. There's got to be a better way to get people to learn how to sharpen. Because the whetstone thing is just obviously, it's too intimidating for people, customers. Yeah, yeah. and I think and these gadgets are fucking everything up. Yeah, I think people want an easy route, right. and yeah, using a whetstone is you know it takes a bit of learning, it takes a bit of time, even when you do know what you're doing. Um, but yeah, there's the, you you always see these gadgets, and oh fuck, well. I remember growing up having one in, in my parents' kitchen, this big orange thing, and it had these like wheels, and you'd pull it through the wheels, and just the noise of it was bad enough. Um, yeah, it's there's there's, there's got to be something, and I mean, I know I know Tormek do it a small unit to fit in a kitchen, but I can't see people having them in their sort right. of domestic kitchens, you know. Yeah. I feel as though there needs to be a a way for people to do it where it gets them on the road. Just whetstones. There needs mm. to be like a a tr- the the tricycle to get to the, the you know the, the training wheels to kind of get you to the point where you like sharpening and you're ready for whetstones. Because yeah, no matter what I say to my customers, they just give me this blank dead eye look, and they're just go like, oh, yeah 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 yeah, and they're just like hmm, I don't know why this isn't really working. It's it's just <laughs> too much. It's too much. Yeah. You got to take yeah. them out. You got to soak them, and you got to make a mess and. Who the fuck wants to do that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just get another knife. Exactly, yeah. Knife. Well, yeah, it, it is difficult. And I've seen, you know, you can buy, you know, wedges so it makes it the right angle and all right. that. But it, it doesn't negate the fact that, yeah, it's, it, it's going to take time. It will take time. We, we, are, we are a very lazy, lazy group for <laughs> years. For years. Lazy group. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about humanity, not you and me. Uh, Littleton Supply Company says, this probably would have been perfect for last week's sour episode, but I would like to share a general complaint. I'm not going to name anyone particular because it's a real trend. I feel like I'm seeing it a bit more and I'm tired of seeing these guys posting screenshots of other fucking guys liking their photos. Stop that shit yesterday. (laughs) It's the worst. And they don't just do one. They seem to like go on Instagram once a week. And all the people who've liked their stuff, they'll screenshot them all. Then they just throw them all onto their yeah, own feed. They're, you know it's what? Just, oh, it comes man. from a nice place, but it's like, I get it. P.S. If you're not following Littleton Supply Co., I don't know what you're thinking of. The guy is funny. Uh, I uh, I get thanking people for support, but you don't have to make a post every time someone some smooth brain scrolls through your page and likes a few of your posts. Larry Dick from Kentucky liking seven photos doesn't warning posting a screenshot. And now that I have to see that feed in my feed, 
I want to see you make shit. I want to laugh. I want to cry. I don't okay. want to see you circle jerk some guys because you like seven of your photos. <laughs> if this bastard bought seven knives, and by all means, shout him out. But keep the double tap click dick riding to yourself. Now, <laughs> now if you'll excuse me, my Momasi band hammer has some more work to do. Good day, gentlemen. <laughs> fucking, nice. That fucking guy rules. I, Littleton Supply Company is hilarious, and yeah. uh, I am. Uh, he's a funny guy. Uh, yeah, it so, used yeah. to be a used to be a, I'm not sure if the, if it's still possible even to do it but it used to be when you used to follow somebody somebody you get an automated like dm immediately saying thanks for following me and if you oh, want yeah. to know any more information you can and it's just like oh please. you know what i like someone follows you immediately and then asks you for something that's the <laughs> uh, yeah, i had sure. that i had that recently i got somebody i got somebody got in my dms and was asking for me to do a collaboration with them and they they just followed uh. me and it was just like I love your work. I've always loved. I've always loved your work for years. Meanwhile, it's like <laughs> fucking yeah. give me a break, man. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, uh, well, there's a few other ones. They're old ones, but I mean, if you wanted to do something else, we could do that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll tell everybody about Texas Fire Supply. How great they are. They've been with us for some time now. Um, Great, great people. If you need anything to do with knife making, or, or even if you're a farrier, as the name suggests, go to texasfarriersupply.com. They sell Indasa Rhinoet, which is what we all use. It's the sandpaper of champions. Saves you money, saves you time. Um, they sell that as well as anything else you could possibly need. Head on over, texasfarriersupply.com. And if you use Knife Talk 10, you'll get 10% off your order too. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. So let's do a little buyer's remorse. This came in. This is a bit that was submitted by one of the one of our listeners for sure. If you have a bit you would think would be work out that would work, feel free to submit it at Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. I think this was from Nice Handmade Knives. I'm not 100 percent sure, hmm. but he Nice Handmade Knives has some buyer's remorse. So we asked for you to write in what you didn't like, and the funny part was we said don't name names, and then the day we did it, we just fucking blasted Dremel. So uh, <laughs> we did, we did. Yes, we beat yeah. the brakes off Dremel, but I think we've done they that in the past. It. They deserve it. Yeah. If you ain't Dremel, if you ain't got three Dremels, you ain't Dremeling. All right. So um, nice handmade knife says here's buyer's remorse. A years ago, when I first started my journey, I had emailed Moreco on tips for starting out, and he didn't block me. <laughs> he didn't respond but he didn't block me yeah that's that's a win that is a win he didn't respond but he didn't block all it says is yeah. seen underneath and you're still there then you're in there yeah. a few months later i brought a forging class at dragon's breath forge i drove out to from connecticut from buffalo and i got there just to find out Morocco had just left the shop and moved out west <laughs> That's a hell of a block. He actually moved house. <laughs> listen, Mareko ain't gonna listen to this. Don't worry. Don't worry, nice handmaids knives. Don't worry about that. He, he won't block you. And if he does block you, I'll I'll talk to him about it. Uh, guaranteed, he's not listening. So he he ain't gonna block you. Um, no real remorse. Sword Matt. That's Matt Parkinson. Was the man. Was extremely helpful. So that is a funny little story. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, he moved yeah. state. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? But you know, it happens. You know, you just you know you don't know. Um, yeah. yeah. P.S. All those guys at Dragons with Forge are top tier. Leonardo Lee says, Almost all my buyer's remorse is caused entirely by me being chronically unwilling to read the item description properly. 
I just bought a lathe tool that's the wrong kind of insert and requires me to run my lathe in reverse, which I can't do. I once bought a pile of clamps thinking they were eight inches long and they were only three inches long, but I bought at least two phone covers for the wrong phone model. The list goes on and on. I do that shit all the time. Hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 You know what my biggest buyer's remorse always is? I get excited when I see something, order it. Then I, then I'm obsessed about it before it's arrived. So until it's coming, oh. you know, I'm, I'm sitting on the toilet till it's coming. You know, um, <laughs> but then, I, but then I'm, you know, I'm looking at you know YouTubers unboxing it, and I'm looking at all the reviews and everything. And quite often, you look at the reviews and just go, "Oh shit, I picked the wrong one here." You know, it's not the right one. But I'm just, I just can't wait. I see something, I like it, I buy it. Then I just need I should I need to hold back a bit. Maybe look at the reviews first before purchasing it. But that's are you yeah. are you compulsive when you buy? Oh, I'm the worst. Yeah, I am the worst. I think, oh, yeah, life's too short to be waiting for stuff. That's 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 my that's my sort. Of it's thing. working for you. Your yeah. compulsiveness is working for you because I mean yeah. you're just like you're in Bloasis. You're in all. You're doing all the shit. Bloasis. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what's the most what's the most impulsive thing that you wish you hadn't bought? Oh, oh, oh! I don't know. I'll, I'll get back to you before the end of the show. Because I mean. I, my, my impulsivity with buying the goddamn tire hammer was, hmm. it was the wrong guy. Jesse Savage gave me the uh, wrong yes. guy. I he gave me the wrong guy. This, and, yeah. I had, and the guy already started fabrication on the project. So it was like, hmm. you know, I didn't really had to, I had no much of a fucking choice. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, I'm trying to think, I, I do that all the time. Actually, I bought some crazy fiber handle, you know, that crazy fiber oh, yeah, material. The, that, the brain stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff is dynamite stuff. Yeah, it's cool, yeah. But I bought it from not a knife maker supply store. I bought it from a billiard supply store. And I didn't read the sizing of the material. Hmm. And the pricing of the size sounded in the right vein for what a pair of scales would be. Yeah. Right? They arrived, and there was only one enough for one scale apiece. Hmm. Yeah. I was mad. But I could only be mad at myself. So I had yeah. to use them as bolster material, which I was very happy with the decision. But that shit happened. I don't read everything, and I'm all fired up, and I get the wrong thing. I do that shit all the time. All yeah. the time. Oh, yeah. Yep. Fools. Here is anonymous. This is falling into dilemmas, but this is a good one. Hmm. This is an anonymous. Anonymous, please. I have a dilemma. One of the knife companies that we work with teamed up with another person for a project and ran their drops differently as usual. Okay, so a knife company uses a, probably, I'm assuming, a maker to design yeah. a knife, right? And then they make yeah. the knife and then they send it to these, these knife supply, knife shops. Um, so they ran things differently and we got our shipment directly from the manufacturer versus quality control by the maker. So it went from the factory mm. to the stores instead of going to the maker first to do the quality control. Yeah. The, um, the shipment had a packing slip that had the contents and material used. And in another language, it said one steel when it should have been a completely different steel. I'm, I'm, I added the vagary to it because I don't want this person to get like, you know, not that anyone yeah. gives a shit. But so it's, it was supposed to be one particular steel. And when the packing slip came in, it was a different steel than it, that was promised. 
Hmm. Um, this is a very popular brand, and this has all happened a couple weeks ago, and I just can't shake the feeling that the community may be getting taken for a ride by this maker and slash manufacturer. Think I should get one of the knives tested and out in person. Tested out uh, in person. So he, he's thinking... The, he also had said to me that when he reached out, he said that the company said, oh, they wrote that it was a different steel because of a customs form. It wasn't I was going to say that. I was going to say that. Is it is it just the packing slip is wrong, not the actual steel? Yeah. I think, I mean, he made it, it, sound, it still sounded dubious. It still sounded yeah, like, yeah. you know. So what do you do? What do you say? What's your... Mm, I mean, if you've purchased one... You've got your own personal. Well, he's, this guy's bought a pile of them. It sounds like ah, this right. guy got a package. Okay. So he's got a store. Okay. This person is a store, and he's going to retail them. Yeah. So yeah. he just feels but, as though he's very involved in the community, and all of a sudden, will this affect his standing? Hmm. Shit happens. Yeah, that's a, that's a difficult one, isn't it? Um. I mean. I'd say it's up to the supplier to prove to you um, that it is what it is. If, if if you suspect it's not, you know, either send them back and say, look, I'm, not, I'm done with this. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Or say, look, well, if you can prove that they are what you say they are, you know, we're good. Yeah, it is a difficult one. I hate being put in these positions. Yeah, I hate yeah. it. I hate it because it's like all of a sudden you feel as though you maybe know something and you may know that it's wrong and you may know that it's not your fault, but all of a sudden now you're complicit. Isn't the wrong word. Isn't the right word. But at the same time, me, I might send a message to the maker who was involved and just let them know, here's what I think. And I don't want this to be an issue, but I need a little bit of assurance because it affects my business and it affects your name. Now, when I read the whole thing and I read the steel, the difference of steel, I don't think it's going to be, uh, my opinion is I don't think that's going to make a difference. However, if you're being very transparent, it's, you know, you don't want to slip someone the mickey. I yeah. don't, I always, I, I've never once sold a knife as 440C and then slipped in the AEBL without saying something. Yeah, I'm always yeah. very clear in regards to that because I just don't feel... That, you know, you some people will be like, yeah, if they don't know, nothing will hurt them. Uh, the idea that knives will last forever is normal because 
it's all fucking shit lasts forever. I mean, it's like everything is going to last. I don't know why we say I want this knife to last forever. It's going to last forever. What if you not seen a knife last forever? I mean, it's, yeah. it's going to last forever. So I don't necessarily think that's the problem, but I would make a note to, I would send a message to the maker saying, look, here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm thinking. This is, uh, is, is cool with you or is this, let's just have this out in the open. Otherwise, you know, you don't want to box this shit you got to deal with. And then there's a problem. Yeah. 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 Difficult one, that. There you go. There's your all there. There's all your, <laughs> there's that. And then we have a little why me, why me, why, why does this always happen to me? Okay. Let's do that. First of all, let's tell everybody about knifeprint.com. Um, if you're a knife maker um, and you, I mean, you clearly design your knives, whether you use some sort of CAD system or, you, you know, paper and pen, wherever it may be, uh, knifeprint.com is for you because it, you don't need any sort of licensing at all. Um, Super simple, simple CAD tools, all done in the browser. So you just go to the website, you can do it all there. Um, they've got special sort of CAD tools specifically for knife making, um, which is quite rare. You don't see that, you know. Uh, Knifeprint.com, but the best thing about it is they have the print facility. You press print, just as if you're printing a document, and your design will be laser cut or water jet cut, sent out to you. Choose your material, your thickness, and they'll do it all for you. Knifeprint.com. Go take a look. It's, it's very, very clever. All right. Why me? Why me? Why does this always happen to me? This is the question. It happens all the time. You don't know why it's happening and you want to figure it out. This one comes from William McKinley. Hey, cuties. I got a why me? Why me? Why does this always happen to me? I'm a cook slash chef most of my life. And that life does impress a chase of excellence. So that life does make you want excellence. I know I don't know shit from Shinola, and I'm still learning tools, skills, and muscle memory. I improve every time I step into the next project. However, I'm trying to finish some pieces. He's trying to make some knives. Mm. I'm trying to finish some pieces I started a few years ago. My problem is that, I'm, that I chase perfection in all I approach, and damn, with every blade and handle I learn. Uh, no, wait a second. <laughs> My approach is that I chase perfection in all that I approach and damn with I damn approach and damn with every blade that I learn. This lead down a hole often in trying to correct poor forging or integral grindings. How do you know when to say when? I seek sages for assistance. I love the show. You all are a blessing to many. Thanks. Hmm. We are a blessing. This happens to be Easter weekend. P.S. We are a blessing. We're a knife talk blessing. Okay, we are. Uh, but Happy this Passover, is Easter, Happy Easter Monday too. Yes. Easter Monday. We are a blessing. Yeah. You are a blessing. You are a blessing. Yeah. What do you think? How do you cha- how do you, how do you deal know, with chasing excellence? How do you know when to stop? Um, it's difficult. It really is difficult. Um, I think it's probably more difficult if you're doing sort of customs and one offs. Uh, because you may be uh, using techniques and stuff that you don't use so regularly. Um, and, what, and what he said at the beginning then about muscle memory, I think that is so sort of underrated, and I'm finding that now, me not having that much time in the in the workshop, when I do go in, it takes me a while to get back into it, you know? Whereas if you're if you're just on it every day, that muscle memory is so is so sort of important. Um, but back to, you know, when, 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 when to say good is good enough. Um it's difficult, and I think I always um, everything that I make, I always sort of run by my wife anyway. And, and I know if there's something that I think isn't one hundred percent perfect, I won't say it. 
I'll just say, what do you think? Um, and she, you know, she's she, she's used to looking over knives and giving sort of scrutiny on them. Um, and if she's not seeing it, even if I know it's there, sometimes you can let it slide. If it's something that only you as the maker would really know about, I think, you know, we're all making uh, knives at a certain certain level to a certain cost. Certain things, I think, I think you can let slide. Um, the issue is when you're just chasing that ultimate perfection every single time, you're never going to ship. You're never going to ship anything, and that, that can be stifling. You know what Bruce Lee said? What was that? He said, "Be afraid. don't be afraid of the person who knows 10,000 kicks. Be afraid of the person who kicks practices one kick 10,000 times. Hmm. Did you know that? I didn't know there, that, but that's a, there, yeah. There's another Bruce quote. knows his stuff. There's, yeah. another, there's another Bruce Lee quote. When in doubt, kick him in the nuts. <laughs> that's not really Bruce Lee. I just came up with that. I, I no. wasn't very, it was not very good either. So but, <laughs> I, the problem is, is goddamn learning thing, being young at learning something, it sucks. And you have to mm. learn something new and you just have to be understanding that I'm just going to progress over time. Yeah. The chasing perfection in the beginning stages of your job is uh, or as a knife maker is folly because what ends up happening is if you're trying to repair something that you've already done you're going to spend more time doing that and then instead of thinking to yourself i just won't do that the next time yeah you're better off having a firm understanding of what you're doing and then know okay next time i do this i will not do that I will not undercut something or I will not grind too far or I'll, or I'll make a different transition. The learning is always, it's better than trying to f- fixing a mistake or trying to like, it's a, mis- it's just better to just be, and it's hard to say because, you know, we're in this Instagram world where you're trying to put your best stuff out there. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we're not creating iron lungs. <laughs> this isn't like something that matters that much. Most people don't even realize it. Most people, I mean, I see the way people sharpen knives with things and they don't give a shit. I mean, they're, they don't give a shit about scratches. Like, they don't give a shit. A lot of yeah. them, like the Waterstone thing, a lot of them don't give a shit. I, I, frankly, I see a way a lot of people sharpen knives with the Waterstones and they don't give a fuck how it looks at the end of it. So my suggestion would be is just get better and better and better and not criticize yourself too much. You can say, okay, next time I'm not going to do this. Next time I'm going to do this before I do this. Next time, And then that's how you get better. It isn't just like focusing on like making your 10th knife the best knife anyone's ever made. I mean, unless you, unless you like that type of drudgery, I, I, we're me and Craig, we're too old for that bullshit. We're, I mean, he and I, he and I are both almost 50. We don't, we, we, we're, we're four on years our lives. To go. Four years. Yeah. Four years. I guess six months. <laughs> so I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm much more Zen about it all. And yeah. of course I have the luxury of being Zen because I've been a metal worker since I was 20. But at the same time, it's like, sometimes you just got to allow things to be and enjoy the, it sounds so lame when you say it, but enjoy the process. It is, it's so lame when you say that. And I really don't yeah. want to sound lame, but I'm sounding yeah. lame. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you ain't shipping, you ain't learning. That's probably uh, just fucking just get it out the door and just understand that the next one's going to be better. And that's the better mindset than 
you know, this has got to be perfect. This has got to be, you got to be happy with your, with, with yourself. And the chef, the chef mind, eh, you know, you know, the tweezering, like the microgreens, it's a little bit excessive, you know, make a good burger, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. They, they're yeah. hamburgers and the micro green tweezer fucking cryo food. They are two different types of food that can live in the same world of being food. You just don't need them both on the same menu. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Be yeah, a hamburger once in a while. Be a hamburger once in a while. Just be a hamburger. <sighs> okay. I got to tell everybody about MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. Lawrence is a good guy up there in Canada. Um, he's got, again, everything that you possibly It's the one-stop shop for knife makers. Steel, belts, handle materials, tools, forges, even kilns, and much, much more. Um, he's actually the Canadian distributor for combat abrasives as well, so you can get hold of that and Rhino Wet and all that good stuff too. Um, always got a deal on with 10% off a 10-pack of belts. Um, good, good guy. Support him. MaritimeKnifeSupply.com He also has... He's also the distributor of Broadback Ironworks. Oh, cool. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Lawrence got his finger in every hole. Hey. <laughs> Come on, baby. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. Okay, what have we got? What have we got? Thirsty uh, Work Industries says, Hey there, fellas. This is back to questions. Uh, many of us call ourselves makers. As this covers so much more than just knives, it got me thinking, if you were suddenly unable to do anything knife-related, uh, what other ventures would you uh, currently pursue, even just as a hobby, or uh, that could label that could label you a maker? So being the lead guitarist in, in both Bloasis doesn't count. Okay. What other ventures do you currently pursue? Uh, that could label you as a maker. I think I think being um, a musician makes you a maker. Of course it does. Oh, yeah, yeah um, it does. certainly does. The medium's very different. But you're being creative, and there's an end result. There's there's something tangible at the end of it, you know? I I would think that I, I can't get – I mean, I would – what do you think that you when you were hanging out with the drummer from Oasis? Did you ask him any questions like, what does it feel like to have created something or be involved with something that it's got like – how many years was – Oasis, 30 years old? 30, is that... 30, yeah, 30 years. How yeah. does it feel to create something that is still as vibrantly played for 30 years? I mean, that is the real, the test of time of making something that, like, people give a shit about 30 years later is yeah. pretty amazing. It is, it is crazy. And I, I, a lot of musicians say this, that, that they say they when they're making something, it's theirs. It belongs to them. The minute they put it out there, it then belongs to the fans because it'll have a meaning right. to the fans, you know. And the, you know, nobody cares about the maker's meaning behind anything. It, they they care about the feeling that it gives them, and it then becomes theirs. Um, but yeah, that must be incredible to have such you know uh, you know created these things that still affect people you know thirty years later. Um, yeah, it must be incredible. Do you feel? that you're more of a musician now than a knife maker. And I know you're, you're not, maybe you're thinking of yourself as being on a hiatus from being a knife maker, but would you consider your self a knife maker or are you a professional musician? Oh, a knife maker, a knife maker. Yeah. Okay. Um, being a musician doesn't bring any money in. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, or very little, need, I should say very little. Do you, do you, I heard a joke. Pat Quinn says, what's the difference between a pizza a large pizza and a blacksmith. A pizza will feed a family of four. <laughs> Same thing with a knife maker. You know, so yeah. I know all about it. I mean, it's not like no one's made, no one, I mean, unless you're Josh Smith or 
Bob Kramer, yeah. no one's, you know, going to Hawaii. Trust yeah. me, making knives. I'd say that the, I think the two of us, are, I'd class us as modern makers. Um, as in, yeah, we we make knives, and that's you know that's where money comes in. Uh, but we've also got these other avenues that we make money. For example, the podcasts, and, and I do music, and bits, you know, bits and pieces. Um, and I think that's just, I think I think you know, the, just being creative and the freedom to be creative. And if you can do that and bring in money whilst doing these, you know, these different things, I think it's great. And I think each one feeds each other as well. Right. Um, you know, if you if you're creative in one field, you generally can be more creative in another field too. I think. Actually, I was talking to Tony. We we're talking today because you know we're at the lit. We're at the end. There's no more. I mean, custom orders are good. We're working on. You know, there's some people negotiating with some things we're going to do. But my list is done. My list is yeah. done. It's crazy. I never in the, the, all the years of Fader Knives, I've never not had a, a backlist of things. We've just been so efficient. You know. Hmm. And, and would that worry, made, would that worried you? Five years ago. If somebody, well, it's weird. You're not going to have a list anymore. It's weird because, you know, I, right now it's, it's 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 a weird feeling. But at the same time, I mean, we're like pushing tons of stuff on the website, which makes life easier. Like hmm. having being, being able to have people on the website and then click surfing the, the website and then clicking something and buying it directly and then shipping the next day. That's what I'm trying to do is yeah. as soon as they get it, I'm shipping it as soon as I can get to the back of the shop. So I want to really get that feeling of the buy it now thing. It's changed a lot of things, but the making but getting back to the making thing, we were talking to Tony and he's just like, well, we can have some fun. What do you want to do? He's like, maybe you should do another watercolor. And we, we did a great job. We made watercolors last year, made them into prints. And I said, you know what? That's a great idea. So we're going to do, I'm going to do another progression watercolor. I have to figure out what I'm going to do, yeah. but I'm going to do another watercolor. And then, uh, that I the art worked, you know the art works, and I actually have a sculpture I have to start doing another a giant sculpture for a friend in April. I'd go back to that. I I if I wasn't to 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 still be a maker, I love the podcasting because now I'm at the point where between full blast and knife talk, it supplements and a lot of income for for the for mm. the the uh my payroll like it really i mean it's shocking how it really kind of like helps and i don't have to kill myself i get to talk to the listeners and talk to people in the knife world talk to other makers and be relevant in the knife making community and being able to uh, and uh, speaking which i want to talk to you about something interesting um but i you know i would keep doing this and make sculpture I, i i if i had to make railings i wouldn't mind making another railing once in a while that would be fun once in a while um but it is interesting that the idea i believe and i've said this before i think it's all the same like i think if you're a chef if you're a cook and you're making sculpture making knives i think that's all the same thing it's just learning how to use ingredients properly technique and delivering the the subject but Mm. back to podcasting one thing that was interesting is and think i would like your opinion i listen to a lot of sports radio lately because i i'm interested in the dynamics between the hosts yeah. One of the things that I noticed, and I'm trying, I try to think about ways in which that that dynamic we can we can utilize. One of the things I notice on a lot of these sports radio shows is they've these guys perpetuate a conversation. It's not just I talk and then you know he one guy talks and the other guy talks. They're they're fixed fixated on a conversation and they both kind of bat it back and forth. Maybe it's not what they want to talk about, but they know that we got to get to the end of the conversation. But they keep going with the conversation. Mm. What's interesting with sports radio is. Most of these guys are not athletes. Most of these guys are fucking just ultra fans. And the way they talk about sports 
is kind of coming not from the place of them knowing what they're talking about. But when it comes to knife talk, we're all actual knife makers. So we have an understanding of what we're talking about from the position of actually doing it. There's a lot of knife podcasts out there where they're collectors and they talk about it or sellers or whatever. They talk about it because they based on having, but not the understanding of knowing, you know, uh, and yeah. what I've, yeah. I was wanted to just say that I'm very proud of Knife Talk and the fact that our perspective in regards to knife making comes from a place that we do it. Yeah. And I think so. our listeners are doers as well. Whereas if you talk about, for, you know, for sports, for example, um, most of the listeners are obviously sports fans. They're not, you know, they're not sports professionals. Um, so I think we differ in that way as well. So as well as us being makers as hosts, our listeners are makers too. I want to tell you how obnoxious it must sound if you're a professional athlete listening to these sports radio guys. These guys are so fat and they're so out of shape and they're talking about, <laughs> hey, he's not working hard enough and I, I know all about an Achilles tendon pull and all this bullshit. And then you hear the fans come in and the fans start screaming and these are all these fat out of shape guys who too. And yeah. you just want, if I was a, if I was a sports as actual athlete, and I was listening to sports radio, I would probably go down to the to the studio and demand to come on the air and yell at every <laughs> single one of them. Because here's yeah. the funny thing about Knife Talk. We don't get the emails that you guys don't know what you're fucking talking about. Like, we never give the bullshit. We give, if we don't know, we don't know. But, I mean, we never give the wrong stuff. So I'm very proud of that. And I don't know, I was a... Um, but uh, I guess... That's the answer. I would be a shock jock. Yeah. Hey, yeah. baby, your I can see you fuzzy, doing it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I can see you doing it. See, too. I got problem. I got problems though. I have too many verbal crutches. Like I, I have these verbal crutches that drive me crazy. The ums and the likes and the you knows, and then I do you know what's interesting. And I, I have all these verbal crutches, and I listen back. It drives me fucking crazy, and I think I am a complete failure, human garbage. So, there's that. Not at all. Wanna Not at one? all. Let's do another one. Yes. Uh, where are we? Uh, da, da, cold Storm, Integral Knives. I'll leave that one. Uh, Sean Wilson. Can I ask you a question? Damascus. Uh, we'll leave that one too. Simple Works <laughs> Knives. Uh, okay, let's give this one a go. Uh, Simple Works Knives. Again, on Instagram, Knife Talk Podcast. Um, he says, hey, y'all, here's a question. I'd love to start managing my time a little better. I was wondering, is there a good system uh, when you're making knives? How do you guys organize your workflow in terms of task management and distribution? Do you have a heat treat Sunday or do you like? Do you have like a handle shaping week? And uh, he says, thanks for the great podcast. Good question. Yeah, yeah. And I think we, we, the three of us, the three hosts here, work in very, very different ways. Um, so I'll start with I'll start with mine. Um, mine are generally batches of twenty to well up to sort of two hundred, I suppose. Um, and that only works if you do everything in batches in stages. Yeah. So I've mentioned this in the past. So I'll do I'll do a few knives from start to finish, just individually, just so I can make a note of anything that uh, that needs to be done. Um, if I make a mistake, I'm not ruining a whole batch. I'm only ruining one or two knives. Um, but then generally, I'll yeah, I'll, so you know, any sort of um, heat treat, for example, would all be done together. So I could take you know, I could have a week of heat treat, um, and then you know grinding, profiling, and all the rest of it. They're all done as a batch in that order. Um, that saves time because your machines are set up, ready to go. 
Um, you've got everything to hand. You're not running around going, oh, where the fuck is that? Where did I put that after every single knife? Everything is exactly where you need it. Um, it's not the most interesting way of doing things. And sometimes you think, what the hell am I doing? Um, but it's, yeah, it's certainly the most productive way. Um, but, you know, if I was doing one-off customs, obviously that's very different. But that's, that's the way I do it. Uh, I think what's interesting is, I see I the fucking verbal crutch, the fucking goddamn what's interesting. It, if you do things in stages, you can also break up a little monotony. So like if we have, uh, I will try to do as much heat treating as possible and I'll try to figure out exactly how much heat treating I can do in a day. And then we'll slowly get enough knives that we, we're going to heat treat and heat treat and heat treat. And then I'll have them in different stages of done this. And then, you know, maybe we'll break it up a bit. Maybe like one day I had David just using the milling machine to make uh, slotted, uh, slotted holes for a day. I wanted to give him a break for that. I have a couple knives ready for hand sanding. I have a couple knives ready for handles. We're doing, I, I put everything in stages. It all has to be done at some point. So why not just kind of, you can break up the monotony of having batches all over the place. When I say all over the place, different stages that can be done. Maybe you're not feeling it. Maybe you're not feeling uh, drilling holes one day, but you got other things you can do. It all has to be done. So why not make your life a little bit on the easier side? Because like we could do just a thousand, you know, hand sandings at the same time. And it's like, you just want to pull your hair out. I, the most I've ever done by myself was when, before I had David, I hand sanded for three weeks straight, three weeks straight every day morning noon and night and it's like you're talking madness you're talking real madness so it is nice to be able to break things up a bit that's for sure the other thing is is i do believe that having a game plan is the move and and uh like heat treating day is a great if you here's the one thing i I try to do there's a lot of things like heat treating and stabilizing you don't have to watch it all the time like you can as your timer's on and you know how many knives you have to heat treat in the morning, you know, mm. before lunch, then after lunch, you know how many knives you have to temper at the same time. And you can kind of organize yourself that way. Um, so it's very passive work. You're able to kind of heat treat, you know, maybe you can do, we did the maximum, we did 16 knives in a day. Just because, just doing it easy and not killing ourselves and not overdoing it and not, you know, not wasting the heat in the oven and stuff like that. Having a game plan and just sticking to it for that day is the greatest. If I've ever had a game, if I've ever had a day where I had a game plan and then I have to change middle of the day, it really bumps me out. Like it really, like it makes me feel that I'm not in control of what I'm doing and that I'm not sticking to the plan. So definitely try to work on. I know Mareko thinks that I don't think that I don't. He he seems to think that I have a thing about him being. Uh, not disciplined. I have nothing but respect for that man, and I am totally with him a thousand percent. It's not easy. It's like everything in life is not easy, and you just got to practice and you got to try things and make your. Ultimately, at the end of the day, you got to be happy. So, mm. you know, I don't know what I was getting at. I'm getting hot in this car. <laughs> I'm getting real fucking hot in this car. Mm. It's getting warm out, man. We're getting ready for we're getting ready for the spring. It's coming. It's coming. Easter's here, so that means it's coming. It's coming. I got a question and, for you. Are your is yes. your family in Wales? They are. Yes. We're okay. All, yeah. Good. So you're not the kids are not going to miss East the Easter Bunny with Dad. 
Easter Bunny doesn't fucking exist. Come on, let's get this straight out there now. Oh, let's get this out Jesus, there. Jesus, here come the emails. <laughs> Santa, the Easter Bunny. I mean, you know, Tooth Fairy, all of them, you know? No, no, yeah, they're all here. Um, so, yeah, we're having the whole family's over on Sunday. Well, I'm staying at my sister's. She's got quite a big house. So the whole family's coming over Sunday. Um, you know, cousins, kids, and all the rest of us. So, yeah, what do you guys do for there. Easter? Um,. We don't really. We were talking about the Sulu. We don't really have a tradition. There's, you know, there's, there's the obvious Easter egg hunt and all those kinds of things. But we don't have our own sort of tra- tradition over Easter, really. Um, I think I can't remember where we were here last Easter. I think we may have been in Wales last Easter too. Um, but generally, it's just family getting together, have you know, have a big meal, and um, yeah, yeah. I have such That's- fond memories of, and we did what was referred to as as Peaster. Uh, which is Passover and Easter. Hmm. So we would have, uh, we would do it all. Uh, I could go to Seder's and then we'd also go to uh, Easter parties. I have very fond memories of when my daughter was very young, probably from when she was born until about seven or eight, maybe even nine or 10. I have this fond memory of waking up early. Hillary, my wife and I would get like Easter eggs and presents and candy and stuff like that. And I would wake up before it got, was dark before it got light out and I would hide things all over the backyard. Yeah. Yeah. Eggs with things in it. I like, we get a couple stuffed animals. We'd get a little thing. And when Lila was very young, we got this little baby shopping cart and she would, I'd wake up, we wake up and I said, <laughs> Lila, look out the window. I think the Easter bunny came and she'd be so excited and she'd have to look and look. And I, I really, really enjoyed that. And there was mm. like, I'd be out in my underwear and my, robe looking like uh, al bundy from from married with children (laughs) like you know like you know and i loved i loved doing that was the one tradition i did love and i would hide things and then we put everything i did really enjoy that now i got an 18 year old who's about to take a road test taking your driver's road test and getting ready for college so then they just want they just want some money for easter (laughs) it's just like she's does she's a good she doesn't want her own she wants to do everything on her own she made her own money so she likes to she i gotta sometimes i gotta like make give her money because she doesn't want to she wants to spend her own money instead of eh, it's a weird thing yeah. so. cool that's cool it's cool um if people want to uh, save money uh what grinder should they buy oh broadback ironworks 2x72 forget about it if, if you want a grinder that's dynamite get yourself one of them broadback ironworks and if you go to broadbeckironworks.com put in the promo code knife talk 100 you're going to get a hundred dollars off no you're going to get a hundred dollars off the surface grinder the leather sewing machine and the sharpening system. And if you put in Knife Talk 200, you're going to get $200 off their packages. Horizontal, vertical, different attachments. If your attachments don't fit your, they have, the attachments can be retrofitted to fit the chassis that you have. Stop playing. If you're taking away material, knife maker, sculptor, woodworker, whatever. If you need to take away material, take it away with a broadback. Broadback Ironworks. There you go. If you don't have a broadback, forget about it. Yeah, yeah, there's the other slug. Forget, forget about it. You sounded like forget Al Pacino. Yeah, you sound yeah. like uh, yeah, Tony Soprano. Shall so. we go to an after show? Yeah, why not? Shall oh, we? you want to just okay. give one? Ma- Let's just give one last push for uh, the 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 steel thing, and maybe we talk. We want to talk about the uh, that I don't even know about that judging thing that we're doing. We'll talk about that or not. The judging thing. We got to the end of the month to judge to judge that thing. Yeah, yeah. 
We yeah, we, we've right. got weeks left. It's fine. It's, it's fine. All right. Well, I, we might have to talk about because get people to get into it because I don't know if we know what people even know what we're talking about. Okay. But, okay. About that. Next uh, week we'll make I a concerted effort to, to tell people <laughs> what this thing is that we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> so my man, my man, if you if this is uh, if this is my man. Uh, this whole goddamn thing up. A uh, Broken Tower Culinary is having a uh, event on his closed Facebook page, and if you want it, it's a, for newbies. If you and we're judging it, so Tower Broken Tower, send me a read for next week, and we'll make sure we push it along. So, yeah, okay. great yeah. job. Scoring, fucking scoring job. is scheduled for the thirtieth of April. Fucking yeah. great okay. job. Yeah, so <laughs> great job, Jeff. Okay, yeah, nice one. Anyway. <laughs> We should speak to you all next week. (laughs) This has been a professional show by Craig and Jeff. See you next week. Ah, There we go. Okay. This has been a day. This has been everything for me that I haven't had control over has Mm. gone to shit. And it's it's, Uh. bureaucracies I have to deal with. I have an accountant. The accountant for the business has got to give me this form for my home, my accountant for our family. Well, he's not giving it fast enough. And then it's just like, it's just this nonstop, like, just take, guys, you just fucking take care of this. It's just so annoying. So mm. I tend to find if something goes wrong in the day out of your control, there's going to be more of that coming. Today, you're right. I mean, Mareko, Mareko had nothing but problems. I had, we had a, you know, slight issue at the shop. It was nothing major, but it was like, you know, pull your hair out a little bit. And then, and then, Getting my passport renewed is so all of a sudden becoming a problem. It's just like nonstop. Uh, oh. When are you heading to Spain? When are you going? June. I'm going June, in June. Yes. I'm going in June. But you know what the funny thing is? So, so my passport was not due to expire until November. Hmm. So I was told that you, you're, it doesn't matter if you're, you want to make sure that your passport is good six months after you arrive. At least, because yeah, yeah. they want you to leave, you know. They want you to, yeah, yeah. you know, even if I if my password doesn't expire till November and I'm going in June, it isn't good enough. It's got to yeah. be six months past. So we're so at least in I said January. Some, country, some countries are a year, so you need to yeah make sure. In January, we sent our shit out, and it's supposed to be ten weeks. Well, it's been over ten weeks, and now all of a sudden they need a new photograph because the assholes at the photo booth place did a shitty job. Oh, and then now the computer is not allowing me to upload the goddamn thing. And it's like, it's just all the shit that's out of your control is the worst. Mm, yeah. So, want to do a little <sighs> weird podcast news or you want to fuck around? Weird podcast news. What's out there? Uh, let me find it. Um, weird podcast news. Well, um... What are we talking about? A missing plumber was asleep under a house, woke up when rescuers cut to the floor. We can do that one. I'm going to just read a few out and you decide what you want to do. Stockton driver teacher allegedly set up crashes for insurance payouts. <laughs> That's a fucking good one, right? Did you read that one? Oh, yeah. Go on, yeah. All right. So this one comes from Mercury News. A Stockton man who works as a driving instructor has been accused of orchestrating 20 car crashes and collecting more than $35,000 in resulting insurance payouts. He was arraigned Wednesday on 54 felony counts of insurance fraud, assault with a deadly weapon, and reckless driving after a joint investigation with the California Department of Insurance and San Joaquin County District Attorney's Office said in a press release from the insurance agency, the 43-year-old man is a AAA tow truck driver. 
His procedure in most of his crashes were to drive in another driver's blind spot and accelerate when the other driver started to change lanes, causing a collision. From 2017 to 2022, the man claimed over $86,000 in damages and was paid more than $35,000 by an insurance company. His dash cam videos of the crashes were reportedly included in his YouTube channel, Stockton Drivers. Most of the collision videos have been removed, the insurance agency said, but the dozens remain under the labels using bad merge and distracted driver and people can't wait. So this motherfucker didn't do crashes like, let's do a crash. He fucking crashed into people's blind spots. And then, I mean, at Put what on point? <laughs> yeah, and then like doubled up. I mean, that sounds yeah. like the... That sounds like the craziest, most dangerous way to make money. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, you would imagine, I, would th- I thought when he was going to say that, I thought he was going to say when he, he was setting him up, he was like saying, all right, you do this, I'll do this, I'll jump on top of the car, and then, and then we'll do a claim. But, I mean, imagine hitting, having like all these different exact same yeah. <laughs> fucking things over and over again. And he's a like, AAA is the, is the service that you use to do if you have a problem. You know, if you have a car problem, you call AAA. So the yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. this guy's the dumbest criminal of all time. <laughs> That's the stupidest thing I ever heard of. Mental, mental. All right, we have a morgue contractor who removed body from a Michigan house is accused of breaking in the next day to steal valuables. <laughs> um, male fraternity study: men who lift, who regularly lift heavy objects at work, have a higher sperm count. You want to do Let's that? Let's do it. Go on. Yeah. Go right. on. Then. Yeah. Go on. Once against the Mercury News. Uh, men who regularly lift heavy objects at work have a higher sperm count, according to a new study from a, uh, a Brigham and Women's Hospital. Boston scientists found that occupational factors such as physical demands and work schedules were tied to higher sperm concentrations and serum testosterone among men. We already know that exercise is associated with multiple health benefits in humans, including those observed on reproductive health, but few studies have looked at how the occupational factors contribute to these benefits. Uh, what these findings suggest is that physical activity during work may be associated with significant improvement in men's reproductive potential. Infertility is a growing problem. It can be caused by a wide variety of factors. However, 40% of the infertility cases can be traced to male factors, such as sperm count, semen quality, and sexual function. In particular, sperm count and semen quality are thought to be major drivers of growing infertility rates among males. So it, make, it makes sense if you're moving more, you're fitter. You're, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I guess. Uh, researchers found that m- uh, men who reported more heavy lifting or moving objects at work had 46% higher firm sperm concentration. Mm. So there's only you're one way to find out, knife makers. I'm going to lift this big old heavy cock everywhere I go. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. You fucking did it. You fucking did it. Sling it over my shoulder and off <laughs> yeah. I go. You're, I mean, you, people, you walk past people and they get all horned up. I mean, all that, all that male testosterone you have wafting at it, you're like a skunk. You are like a fucking monster. You're like a fucking, you just, people just start ovulating around you all the time. That big old dick of yours. <laughs> me, me, and my mediocre penis. I got not. I mean, I'm mean, I fucking no one. Ain't no, ain't no one's perking up when I walk past them. <laughs> you got that odor, that that uh, that aura, that high sperm aura. Congratulations. 
We have uh, Pet Zebra Bites Ohio Man's Arm Off. Uh, oh, we have eight uses for pee, both human and animal. That's the one. That's the one we need. That's, the, That's one. the one we need. All right. Eight strange uses for pee, both human and animal. I've been wondering what to do with these bottles of pee that I've been storing for the last 50 years. Yeah. With that big dick of yours. You got all sorts of pee. Oh, baby. Uh, I was in such a shitty mood, and now we're talking about urine, and I'm all back. Um <laughs> You probably don't think your pee is as something particularly valuable, and then why oh, I would do. you? It's I a, do. <laughs> <laughs> it's a gross waste product. Oh, by the way, if you're upset that your kids are listening to this, to, to fucking Santa Claus being not real, and this is okay, <laughs> I'm not the problem, okay? I'm not exactly. the problem. Exactly. Uh, it's gross waste product, yet it can also be liquid. It could be your body's liquid gold. For example, you probably didn't know that firm is a precious fertilizer. There are other uses for pee throughout human history, making leather. <laughs> when, it, Ooh, when, we we said yeah. <laughs> when we said liquid gold, we meant it. First, didn't we have a guy say that you pee on your boots? Yes, yeah. Years I did. ago? I did. Oh, I you did. did. Yes, yeah, yeah. For centuries, tanners were willing to pay a pretty penny for your pee or your horses. They didn't care. Urine is a valuable ingredient in the process to turn hides into leather. Soaking an animal skin in a vat of urine softens it and made removing hair and stray pieces of flesh easy. It wasn't just pee tanners, uh, the pee that tanners craved. After urine treatment, the skins would be rubbed with dung to make them even softer <laughs> oh, and more pliable. Uh, as totally unrelated fact, uh, 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 ancient and medieval tanneries were generally required by law to be built outside cities. Apparently, there were some mm. odor problems. Were you talking about pee on, pee on we, your boots? Yes. When I think it was after you had spoken to Ben about right. his boots or something, and I, I, I mentioned about peeing. I, Your I, wife I asked said. The question. Yes, my wife asked, D- does he pee on his boots? Because what, what I understood was peeing on, on hard leather would soften them. Right. It would help break them in quicker kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Well, we, we, uh, we owe your wife an apology, obviously. Yeah. For, you know, yeah. after all these years. Uh, uh, cleaning things. You probably didn't know that urine is particularly sanitary, but you'll sh- be shocked to learn what people use their use to clean their clothes with. Urine contains urea. What a surprise. And it turns into ammonia. And if the pee is going to allow to go stale, ammonia is a caustic base that you can dilute with water. It's a pretty fantastic cleaning agent. It dissolves organic material. So there you go. Uh, dying stuff. Not only can you pee on your clothes, but you can also die with them. All right, I'm, I'm back to the same thing, ammonia and the dying. Mm. Providing power. Pee can be used. Oh, shit, I lost it for a second. Hold on. Um, pee can be used uh, for valuable power. It doesn't take an expert team of first-grade scientists to discover that. In 2012, a group of three schoolgirls in Nicaragua invented a pee-powered backup generator. It's oh. used to... It's, it uses an electrolyte cell to break human urine into hydrogen then can be used for power. A liter of pee can produce enough electricity for six hours. Now, hydrogen oh, wow. is extremely flammable, um, so there's a risk the generator could blow up, but not to worry. The ingenious girls invent, uh, included a safety valve that minimizes this danger. So congratulations wow. for that. We should be doing something about that. It Get ready, be. Elon it's Musk. Liquid gold, you know, as they say. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I mean... Elon Musk is that would be a hard sell. 
instead of sticking, with a name like you know, Musk. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know he's yeah. peed on a couple boots. Uh, <laughs> making things explode. Pee can make things go boom. The main ingredient forms gunpowder. Uh, in early forms of gunpowder is a potassium nitrate, also used as saltpeter. Uh, during wars, kings would sometimes implore their subjects to collect their pee for the produce of gunpowder. Uh, this continued up to the Civil War when Confederate armies urged women to preserve their pee for ammunition production. I don't necessarily think it was all for that. I think they probably just wanted to see people pee. Yeah, yeah. Growing if you've got any, any other uses for piss, please send them in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, growing teeth implants. Uh, nobody oh. wants to wants pee in their mouth. If you do, we don't want to hear about it. But it can grow into something that can be good in your mouth. Researchers at the Chinese Academy of uh fuck um god damn it this keeps keeps i keep losing it uh the chinese academy of sciences have invented a way to extract stem cells from urine they discovered a way to mix the cells with organic matter and grow teeth like things uh, now that would make a lousy tooth implant since they're very soft okay disinfecting wounds and last up last one is building houses P has so many uses, but what the logical endpoint for it is practicality. How about building your entire home out of it? South African scientists from the University of Cape Town have figured out how to make pea bricks. <laughs> pea oh, bricks. Jesus Christ. After collecting urine, they remove valuable fertilizer from it, then mix it with lime. Once they have uh, extracted all the water content, they mix the pea lime with sand and bacteria, and soon enough you'll have pea cement that you can form into bricks. The material is uh, is about as hard as limestone, and it works as a construction material. Although they stink to high heaven during production, they are odorless mm. once finished. So there you go. Bet you didn't know mm. all the things you could do with your own urine. Didn't. I didn't. No. What's the thought... resale value of a house made with pea bricks? <laughs> I ain't buying it. That's all I'm telling you. Uh, hey, listen. Yeah. Maybe Coy Baker was on the money when he came up with Gator Piss. For his etching. You know about gator piss? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he's on to something, obviously. He knows. Uh, yeah. He's on the he cutting knows. edge. Get yourself some of that gator get yourself that gator piss. We have if you if you want to do one more, um giving the middle what? finger is God's given right to Canadian judges. Before rules. we started, what did you tell me? There was I can't remember what it oh, was. This is gross. Yeah, this is gross. Um yeah, this came up right out, um, out of the way. This is from World Star Hip Hop. Uh, Spanish Which is a rel- actress. reliable source of information. Oh, dude, you know what? You know about World Star Hip Hop? No, no. The World Star Hip Hop got its fame by being on subways and being in the streets, and then you would film a fight. And what would happen was somebody would always yell "World Star," and then they. <laughs> so every time you would see a fight, somebody's always yelling "World Star" because it's going to be posted on your World Star Hip Hop. Well, World gotcha. Star Hip Hop went from streaming fights to being actually a news source. It's ah, like, I mean, okay. it's like, you want to talk about turning peas into, pea into bricks. I mean, these <laughs> fucking guys figured out how to like, so this is a news story. Um, uh, it is called, it is, this headline is Spanish actress has surrogate baby with her son's sperm. Famous 60-year-old, 68-year-old actress, Spanish actress, is making world news after revealing her, her baby via surrogate is really her granddaughter. According to reports, Spanish TV star Anna Obrigón had a surrogate baby using her late son's sperm, who sadly passed away from cancer in 2020. 
to fulfill his last wish in an interview with Ola magazine, she said, the girl isn't my daughter. She's my granddaughter. It was Elise, uh, her son's final wish to bring a child out of his own into the world. The actress told the media outlet that prior to her son's death, they had sperm frozen and stored in a New York due to security, a surrogacy being illegal and punishable in Spain. Uh, this actress recently shared the photo of the baby on IG and the caption, captioned a heartfelt message for her late son saying, my, 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 my son, I swore I would save you from cancer. I failed you. I promise I'll bring your daughter in the world. And here she oh. is in my arms. It's the baby real, two noses. The real fucking thing is she's like 68. How the fuck do you have a, how the fuck is a 68 year old having a, this, this kid is going to. They couldn't have used her eggs as well because that's just incestuous too. That they'd have the kid would have two noses or something. Surely not. I, I fucking I don't know, man. I don't know how this goddamn world works, but like Jesus H Christ, you can't think of somebody else to use than oh. your fucking mom. That's that's just the word. Have have you heard of Milf Manor? No, what the fuck is Milf <laughs> so Manor? I, it's a TV show. I haven't seen it yet, right? But I've heard all about it. So. <laughs> Go ahead. They they find single uh, women of a certain age, right? Slightly older. They go along with their son, right? They live in this big house, this you know, reality TV show, <sighs> and the idea is the younger men then get paired off with the older women. So it's, so this this older woman goes along with her son, knowing that they're both going to be paired off. It's just the most. <laughs> so the mom is going to get one of the younger boys, and the younger and boy the, is going to get one of the moms. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Melf Manor. Is it's this an American thing. thing, or is this? A... I, th- I think it's. I think it's American. I haven't seen it, but God, I, I, I think it's... I've heard about it too. This sounds horrid. It's horrid. the worst. Yes. Yeah. It sounds. You can only horrid. imagine. It, only imagine the kind of people on it. Yeah. But anyway. God damn it, man! Why? Why do people seem to think that these? events on television are going to do anything for their lives in a positive way yeah exactly why? yeah why it's milf crazy. manor hey how are how are you oh have you been on tv before yeah i was on milf manor oh really what did you do i tried to fuck somebody's mom oh really you don't say and then what else happened my mom fucked some kid unbelievable i mean jesus christ that's, that's your all, life that's the best they can hope for as well that's, that's the best they can hope for that's i hope goal. my mom gets railed by that fucking guy who's my age that's that's all i hope for <laughs> I mean, this Ugh. is this is your lot in life. This is your lot in life, Ugh, Milf man. Manor. For fuck's yeah. sake, God! Yeah, what we talked a, about talked about musicians leaving a legacy at these. At I mean, these seriously, yes. you you know, I, I got to tell you, I I am I I when I was when my daughter was born, I got invited to a bachelor party, and mm. I've been to a few bachelor parties before. You know, stag do you would say. Yeah, yeah, and I'm just like you know I've been to somewhere actually my you know I want to talk about mine someday later in life you know maybe I'll talk <laughs> about it my mind was a little bit hairy, but but I went to one right after my daughter was born, and yeah. this guy was like we're gonna go to we're gonna come to this house, apartment I didn't know any of the I was already worried about it because I didn't know any of the, the, the guys there. yeah yeah and he said I show up to that apartment it's five guys they're all their hands in their pockets. And I look over, and they're watching pornography oh. right off the bat. And this is a nice oh, apartment in Manhattan. They're watching. There's pornography on the TV, like, and I, and I, 
I always think it's weird watching pornography with other dudes around. I mean, Very. what are you hoping to happen in ladies' Very. terms? It's like, you know, yeah. what the fuck? Then you were going to go to a strip joint. And we went to the strip joint. And these were all these Russian strippers and whatever. Maybe they were doctors in Russia before, but now they're fucking, you know. And the guys are writhing around, and I'm just looking at these women, and I'm just like, you're somebody's daughter. Yeah. Somebody's oh, daughter. Yeah. And I just had a baby. I just had a fucking, I had like uh. a six-month-old at home. And I'm like, you're, you're somebody's daughter, and this is what you're doing. And she's, and I'm just like, God, some of you guys, I feel terrible for your decisions in life. But at the same yeah. time, if you're happy, who the fuck am I to, to judge? You want to go on MILF Manor? God bless you. You know, you want to fuck? You want to be known for fucking somebody's old mom? God bless you. You know, <laughs> who am I to judge? Right? People, eh? People. Ain't I mean, so seriously, strange. what shows are you watching these days? Not much. Um, trying to think. I got to get back into that. Uh, your uh, what's his face? Uh, the the mustache guy, the f- oh, soccer player. Yeah, there is a get... new season. Yeah, yeah. I haven't. Se- I watched the first one. Didn't really get into it, and I haven't, I haven't got back into it. T- yeah, it's just been time has been an issue. I tell you, what I have been watching though. Talking about um, strippers, um, <laughs> a YouTube thing called Soft White Underbelly. I'm not sure if you heard of it. It's basically no. this guy who is he. He just takes people off the street or wherever they may be and interviews them. Like just, just straight to camera. And, but they're all people who are quite troubled and a lot of people just oh, like say a lot God. of people are just off the street. And it's just addictive to, to they're, they're, most of them are like 20 minute videos. And it's that thing. And you just watch one, then another one comes up. You're just like, oh, I'll just watch this one as well. But it, like all these people are really fucked up. And it, I don't know, I find it really just interesting to, you know, hear their <sighs> stories and stuff. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's a bit crazy. You like disturbing stuff to watch. I do. I do. It makes me feel normal. Ish, really? <laughs> Ish, yeah. I we yeah. we're on. We just we we've came to a very pivotal part of the Sopranos, and we mm-hmm. we uh, we're uh, we're starting to get a little bit bummed out. But I try not to watch some bummed out stuff. I I don't mm-hmm. want, really. Have, the only thing I'm happy about is baseball's back, and the Yankees are doing well. And then the Knicks just clinched a playoff berth in the NBA. So I'm trying to stick with sports. It's it's the only mm-hmm. thing that's like I feel like it's very positive. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. <sighs> okay. On that positive note, let's call it a day. Um, Happy Easter. Thank you all for listening. Happy Easter. Yeah, if you're listening Happy on Passover. Monday. Happy yeah, if you're on Monday, don't eat too much chocolate and all the rest of it. We shall speak to you again next week. Bye for now. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.